We'll be reading um, John 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came, bear, came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And a Merry Christmas to you all. Um, really glad to be here with you this morning. And um, wow, five months has passed very quickly. Uh, for those of you who know us, we are your missionaries in Japan. And we've been here for five months, almost six months. And we returned to uh, Japan on January 6th. So we uh, just want to express our thanks to you for your love and prayers support uh, and friendship during these um, months. We've been kind of your um, incognito missionaries. We're not here very many Sundays, but Eriko and I are glad that we can be here today. And in fact, we're so glad that we're inviting you, as has been announced, to come over and um, sample some Japanese food. My great wife has been cooking all this week, and we have some great food planned for you. For So after service, Please come over and join us at the parsonage. Uh, it gives us a chance, you know, to get to know each other a little better, and we're thankful for that. Uh, this is the Advent season, and it's a season I love uh, in the church. And Advent, of course, means coming or arrival, and it's a time where we anticipate uh, the celebration, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at His birth, and. Um, as has been read, our scripture text today is from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And um, I'd like to think of kind of one big idea and one question today as we talk. And our big idea is that Jesus came to earth, moving into our neighborhood to give those who receive him and believe in his name the power to become the children of God. What joy that we have for that celebrate this time. Our question is, so Jesus was a neighbor, he moved into our neighborhood, who redeemed lives and continues to redeem lives. How can we be neighbors who impact others? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
that we can worship together freely in this place. And uh, we thank you for Advent, um, that we can uh, have, uh, we can wait with hope for the coming of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ, who left the glories of heaven and was born in a stable. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made in the righteousness of God. He was born in the flesh and dwelt among us, that we might celebrate that and see his glory. Father, we pray today. December is also the end of the year. Uh, Many of us have very busy, harried schedules and a sense of stress, a weight on our hearts. And uh, your coming at this time of year is also to remove that stress and to give us uh, joy, to give us peace. And so I pray uh, in this time of Christmas, as we uh, look forward to our Savior, that we would uh, give our cares to you. We would wait uh, with light hearts, with joy in our hearts for you. And uh, for those who maybe have not trusted Christ as their Savior, that today might be the day that they might receive the the ultimate joy in becoming a child of God. Father, I ask that you would um, uh, bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart that they might be pleasing to you, my God, my Redeemer. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at this idea, this matter of, um, uh, of arriving. What does that look like? Some of you may know that I am currently writing a book on finishing well in ministry, and it's called Seasons of Beauty, uh, Resiliency and Legacy for Pastors. And it is made up of four sections, uh, leaving, arriving, leading, and finishing well. Kind of simple, but uh, there are four seasons, as we went up four seasons of the year, and we look at the process, several processes of leaving somewhere to go into ministry, arriving at that ministry place, and then leading in that place, finally finishing. And it can be applied to any cycle in life of transition. Uh, For those of you who are in the military, um, you left a previous post, you arrived at this post, you are leading, serving where you are, and at some point you will finish and do the whole cycle all over again. And there are different things that can help us to finish well. And in the book, I kind of use a metaphor of a marathon and how you prepare for that and how you run it and how you finish um, the race. Uh, They are all seasons of beauty and things that we should celebrate and and enjoy. Uh, But what does it mean to arrive well? Uh, Certainly it means to arrive on time, not to be too rested. when I was in high school, I've shared this story many times, but I ran a, a marathon, um, and uh, I arrived at the starting line, but I didn't finish well. But what does it mean to arrive well? Well, there's a couple of characteristics of the maybe a posture or stance or how we could do that. Uh, we arrive well by being discerning. We arrive well by being humble, relational, residential, and redemptive. So we, we have a mind that is sensitive to what's going on. We look around and see what's happening. We have a humble attitude. We want to learn uh, from others. We want to learn from our environment, our new place. 
we're relational. We we develop uh, relationships with people. And then we're residential. We put in roots. We rent a house. We're in the neighborhood. We're part of the neighborhood. But also we have a redemptive purpose. What is God's purpose for me being in this neighborhood and arriving? It's not just a, a chance uh, event. God has planned. What does he want to redeem? What does he want to purchase back or change in my life or in the people around me? And, of course, all of that relates to we have a mission. What, what are we going to be doing in the neighborhood? And we have a purpose, and we think about that. And it's not just a point in time, but it's an ongoing lifestyle. We are continuing to arrive, uh, in a sense. My wife has taught me a lot about arriving uh, these five months. Um, of course, we visited 22 churches and probably put about 12,000 miles on our little Nissan Sentra and visiting supporters. But during the week, my wife has arrived in the community. She uh, took the CBEST test, passed, and is taught in 10 different schools in Monterey and Pacific Grove. Some of them delightful, some not such so much. Uh, she's tutored a few students in Japanese. She's involved in two choirs, and uh, she's been singing this week some Christmas music. Um, and if that's not enough, she's been taking harp lessons. She's really got herself rooted in the community and enjoyed that. But for our life in ministry, we have experienced this idea of arriving. Uh, we did three church plants in Tokyo. The first one, we moved into a brand new community. There's some condominiums that were building built, and everyone moved in at the same time. So it was a beautiful time of arriving together and getting to know people. And we had a little uh, plot of land. We we're on the first floor, a little garden in our backyard. And there was a path. Uh, we had grass there, but it, it couldn't grow because of all the kids hopping our little fence and coming into our backyard and, and coming into our house. It was a great time. Our second church plant was in the inner city of Tokyo, and uh, it was a hard arrival. Uh, 10,000 people would move into the city every year, and 9,000 would move out, and there was a lot of upheaval, and it, it was a hard, hard ministry, but um, the church was going well, but it was it was an interesting time of arrival. Another arrival <coughs> was in uh, uh, this um, in 2014. We made the decision to move into a disaster area. I've been commuting from Tokyo, 350 miles, and uh, you can do some ministry 300, 250 miles, 300 miles away, but you're not living there. You're not part of it. So we moved, and uh, it's been interesting to see what the arrival process. Uh, connecting has been. But one of my most exciting, after my wife, one of my most exciting or maybe equal to that is what has happened when Japanese Christians arrived in disaster areas? All the big relief organizations, Christian and non-Christian, had left a long time ago, but churches continue to arrive in the area. And so people in the temporary housing or even in the, the new housing, they would they would hear that a church group was coming. And so they contact their neighbors and said, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Christ is here. The Christ people are here. The Christian people are here. And they'd all gather, and they were really excited. Certainly they had gotten food and clothing and a lot of, a lot of different things. But these people were connected, invested in their lives, and loving them and sharing Jesus. And they just so enjoyed being together with the Christian people. They really got what it meant to arrive. 
Of course, in Scripture, in, in addition to the birth of Christ, there are many arrival narratives uh, that are listed, including Joshua into the Promised Land and Paul to the many cities where he planted churches. Jonah's arrival in Nineveh is noteworthy, noteworthy for its failure. He received a direct missional call from God to travel from Nineveh and preach to the people that they should repent. But he ran in the opposite direction, an attempt to flee from the presence of God in Jonah chapter 1. After being swallowed by a large fish, John, Jonah, Jonah got the message. He called out for God's mercy to save him and then traveled to Nineveh after the word of the Lord came to him a second time. That's significant. He got another chance to do this arrival thing again. Upon his arrival, uh, interesting, um, something happened there that was uh, key for him. What he did, uh, he did fulfill the missional component in preaching, through preaching, preaching, and he saw the people believe God's word and repent. But sadly, chapter 4 details Jonah's anger and distrust. In spite of God's continually, continual mercy for him and a total lack of compassion for Nineveh, its land, and its people, he eventually shows up and carries out God's orders, yet he was not discerning, humble, or relational. Christmas is about how Christ left heaven and arrived on earth. As we enter the new year and look towards Easter, we can learn how Jesus led well and, of course, finished well. At the outset of his ministry, when he was baptized, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And others, as they saw his ministry of teaching, healing, casting out demons, and uh, opening uh, the scriptures in ways that no one else had ever done, they said, he does all things well. When he died on the cross, one of his last words were, it is finished. He didn't say, oh, I'm finished, I'm done. But it is finished. I have completed my purpose on earth, dying for the sins of the world in the place of all humanity and being raised from the dead to give them new life. Well, let's look at our text a little bit here. Our, the key verse here is uh, verse 14. And it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, of course, is our example as he, the world became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He clearly left heaven and arrived on earth, born among us. And he continues to move into neighborhoods today through us, his witnesses. So let's look at the text and see how the Savior of the world arrived in the neighborhood. Verses 1 to 3 tells us that he is eternal. He is with God and is God. He existed before creation and he made all things. I don't have an answer for this, but this is a question that came to my mind. What was it like for the Son of God to leave heaven? Think about that. So verse 1 here is very carefully constructed to refer to the personal distinctiveness, distinctness 
that the essential oneness of the word of God. We see that life is sourced from God. In some schools of Greek thought, we know the word for universe is cosmos, an ordered place. And what lies behind the universe and order and orders it is reason, logos, or word. So God in Christ was the one who gave reason order to um, the universe. Verse 4 tells us, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. One commentator has suggested that there, at the outset, we have the two most fundamental affirmations about Jesus in this gospel, namely that he was himself, the, in, um, is the presence of God's own life and light, and then he makes this life and light available human beings. In one profound sentence, we have the central uh, assertion of this gospel concerning the revelation of the Son and the salvation that he offers. As we see this picture of the unfolding of Jesus' arrival, we see that there are battles going on, conflict. Verse 5 says, the battle of darkness and light. The light continues to shine and the darkness cannot It wasn't a point in time shining like a sparkler and then it went out. God's light continues to shine and the darkness cannot or will never overcome it. It goes further and it talks about how Jesus is the light of the world and he offers salvation to all. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, verse 9. So as we think of the gospel, there's this idea at the heart of Christianity, the so-called scandal of particularity. People of all cultures and times are to receive the light that shines in this first century Jew. He who has been given authority over all people, as it says in John um, 17. So salvation is for all. But we see not only was there a battle of darkness of light, but there was denial another type of conflict. He was denied by the world and his own. He was in the world. He moved in, he arrived, he was in the neighborhood, and the world was made through him. Isn't that amazing that God dwells among us and everything that we see, experience, it's all created by him. Yet, the world did not know him. He came to his own as Jewish people and his own people did not receive him, verses 10 and 11. So even when he was in the neighborhood, he was denied. People had no relationship with him. And being a neighbor both goes, goes both ways. Jesus was a neighbor, and we need to be, be a neighbor to him, to receive him, to accept him into our lives. When we receive him and believe on him, and being in his name, we are given the power to become children of God. There's a, a lot of translations use the word of right, but um, it's a gift through faith that is given to us to believe, to receive and believe in his name. We have the power to become children of God. It's something that God does in our lives. And this is a question for all of us. Have we made that decision? It's an important one. So the process of arriving in our neighborhood for Jesus involved leaving heaven, entering earth in time and space as light and life, 
overcoming darkness, unbelief, and denial. We see that he is a discerning, humble, relational, residential redeemer. His mission was to provide salvation for all. And we can be thankful that he arrived very well and in the fullness of time, it says in Galatians. So we see this issue of arriving. And I'd like to close with just an illustration about the power of being a neighbor. So how do we as believers become a neighbor? It becomes by believing that it is a beautiful day. I left for Japan when I was 12. Um, before that, and even in Japan, um, they, uh, I was able to watch Mr. Rogers, a wonderful children's program. And you can remember all of his characters and uh, his make-believe and uh, just a wonderful person he was. He could have this uh, wonderful skill of connecting with anyone and setting them at ease. Many of you have probably seen the movie um, that is about it's a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood and uh, the, on, on the life of Mr. Rogers. And Eddie Cohen and I recently saw that in Pacific City Grove. It stars Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. And uh, Rogers in real life was a Presbyterian minister and was a man of prayer, the word of God, and love. He was a true neighbor who showed up in the lives of the movie is about a real event that happened uh, several years ago that Mr. Rogers was interviewed by a reporter of the Esquire magazine. And uh, uh, the movie uh, is a picture, again, for us of how we can become a neighbor and how through relationships God can redeem situations. And we see how kindness overcomes cynicism. So in the movie, Mr. Rogers is to be interviewed by this hard-hitting Esquire reporter, Lloyd Vogel. Uh, Mr. Vogel is assigned to write a brief piece on Rogers' life, but the tables are turned as Mr. Rogers, ever compassionate and pastoral, asks more questions about Lloyd's life than he gives answers about his own life. And there are scenes in the movie where, uh, where Lloyd says, I, I'm done with this. I, I'm I came here to interview you, and you're interviewing me. I'm tired. And you could just see the conflict in his own heart with a deep-seated problem that he was facing. And Mr. Rogers, in his loving persistence, finds out that Lloyd is estranged from his father. Uh, Lloyd's mother had a long illness, and the father basically checked out. He didn't really care for her in his dying days, and, and Lloyd had to care for his mother. So there's a lot of bitterness in his son toward his father. But through Mr. Rogers' love, his prayers, visits, and courageous intervention, Lloyd forgives his father for his actions. And you see this beautiful scene. I think he had a problem with his sister, but you see the whole family gathering uh, in a beautiful time, and they're just kind of looking at each other, looking at each other and enjoying each other's company. And Mr. Rogers shows up and continues to love on them. The movie is a, is a type of advent. As Mr. Rogers arrives in Lloyd Vogel's life, he is changed forever. That's what Christ does.
I don't know what issues you face or have faced or people in this community have faced. But Jesus wants to arrive into their heart and hearts and change them. So how can we find beauty and joy in the neighborhood? Whether that's Monterey, PG, your, your workstation, uh, wherever you are. Initially, we obviously we can find it the day we receive Christ. There's much such beauty there. We who are sin stained and broken, uh, we are changed. And as we gather here, we are the bride of Christ, and uh, uh, Christ is covering our sin covenant. And that's such a beautiful uh, bride. And He continues to do that daily in our lives. There's joy, there's beauty, ongoing beautification of the Christian who are, we are being changed moment by moment into the image of Christ. Have you received him, believed in him? How is your walk with Christ today? Are you experiencing that beauty of transformation, of redemption? Another way we can find beauty in the neighborhood is finding my neighbor. In Luke 10, um, a lawyer asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And we get to see this beautiful uh, song, this beautiful story about what it means to be a neighbor. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's not something someone like ourselves. But I think as we uh, go through this Christmas season, to ask who is my neighbor? Who can I be a sort of a Mr. Rogers to? And lastly, what brings you joy this Christmas? Lord Jesus, it is indeed a beautiful day in the neighborhood because you have come. And you took that was ugly and broken and lonely and in desperate need of love. And you made something beautiful out of each of our lives. And you're continuing to do that. And Father, that's a story that we have that neighbors that we know need to hear. So we ask that you would touch each of them. Thank you.